Hello and welcome to The Secret Layer, the home of gaming and geeks. We hope you enjoy our shows, and if you'd like to support us, you can donate to our Patreon. And welcome to D&D 201. Uh, this is for you, the DMs. My name is Niall. I'll be your DM today, I guess. And I'm Morgan, and I will be your Dungeon Master today. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, so, you probably listened to this podcast because you've decided to DM for your group, or you were forced to. A bold decision. A bold the best de- decision you'll ever make. Yeah. I mean, clearly you're the most creative, uh, beautiful, and smartest of the group. And precious, and everyone should protect you and thank you. Yeah, but, exactly. But they won't. They won't. You'll be mercilessly mocked and ridiculed for the rest of eternity despite all the work you put in. Yeah, they, they will never understand all the work that you'll put in. Why do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> I love the game. Oh yeah, because it fucking rules. I learned very quickly that I, I love playing D&D, but I learned very quickly that DMing is my favourite part of D&D. Yeah. Um, uh, it it kind of changes the saying as well. It's like, love the game, hate the players. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, fuck, I hate the players. Uh, <laughs> love you all if you're listening. Thanks for tuning in. I say fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, I will kill you, all your characters yeah, eventually. You're going to die. You have no idea what I have planned for you. Don't Back you trust- was coming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically we were kind of uh, thought of putting this together because I feel there's three books, right? Yeah. Player's Handbook, Monster's Manual, Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, everyone knows a Player's Handbook, use it for character creation or to understand at least the basic Apart rules. from the players, they don't. Well, of course they don't. No, I have all the knowledge. I answer all the questions. Why would you need to understand my character sheet or read the fucking book? Why would you need to know what you do? <sighs> I can do that for yeah, you. Yeah, I can do that for you. I always open up by like, hey, when we start this game, just ask me questions. Don't worry about it. As we go, read the book. That second step never happens. And yeah, I am yeah. eternal. Oh, it's fine though, because it means I can just break the rules and no one knows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so everyone kind of, to an extent, knows the player's handbook. Um, then there's also the monster manual, which again, anyone that started DMing knows the monster manual. You've got all your stats in there and how that works. But I feel like the Dungeon Master's Guide basically only gets used for magical items for most people. Yeah. Like it's, it's not really utilized as i mean i've one of the best bits of advice i had was read the books mm. and i have more or less read them all cover to cover and first of all they're really nice written, but also there's a wealth of like information in there um but the dungeon master's guy especially for like you don't need it to dm i would say you do, yeah i actually i started my first campaign i i'd played maybe two or three games on 3.5 yeah and then i just decided that i was gonna dm and I, I think I had the player's handbook on a PDF. Easily obtained. And I didn't have, I think I might have had the Dungeon Master's Guide, but I definitely didn't read it that much. I just looked at the prestige classes that you could do. Yeah, the the, the, the fun cool bits. Yeah, the cool shit, um, which we never touched. Uh, no. <laughs> but saying that, I just jumped straight in um, to DMing and winged it because nobody oh, yeah. else knew the rules. So I just, like you said, made them up as I went along. Well, that's it. And I think that's why it gets a bit of, it gets left behind a little bit because it's not, essential i mean let's be honest you can play D with the basic rules which mm. are free online from the wizard's website if you wanted to take your dming to kind of like the next level and you want to do building your own world have your own setting and then create more living breathing world and have some more complex stuff for your players to do like something i'd never thought about which we'll get into later is allowing your players to build a castle mm. sometimes i see so many things online where they're always like oh dnd needs a rule for this or dnd needs rules or it does have a rule for that it's in the dungeon master's guide yeah <laughs> but none of you fucking read so which is why you listen to this podcast which is why we're yeah, here. because we read the books so that you don't have to. Exactly. Um, but yeah, essentially, I'm hoping that whoever's listening to this is wanting to 
you know, get better at DMing or even just start DMing. So, you know, I thought we'd start the first episode as a bit of intro to DMing, kind of what it is you're meant to do, um, I guess, in our opinions, and how how we go about that a little bit. And then every episode will just be covering more parts of world building, more parts of the rules and all the little things that maybe you you haven't thought of yet or you you know you're like shit my players want to go swimming in the ocean how do i do breathing rules do you know what i mean we'll, what, we'll figure what, it all out what do they find in the sea i don't know what's in the sea what exactly do, don't worry we've got you covered we got you covered in the sea it's a kraken uh, <laughs> it's just just a kraken it's just always a kraken imminent death the sea is the scariest place in all of dnd yeah and right next to that is three aboleths uh of course <laughs> if don't let them enter the sea let's let's just make it a swirling death pool and no one will ever enter or let them go into the sea, kill them with the swelling devil. Exactly. New campaign. New campaign, yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you go in the sea, guys. Stay uh, where I tell you to. <laughs> Do the story. And remember, whatever they say, the players could always have run away. It's never your fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the first part of DMing is knowing your world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it, it, even if, if you're using like a published setting mm. or your own setting, knowing broad strokes of what's going on like is, is is really important even if it's just for like a look and feel like there's really good resources for world building out there but just having like what's the vibe like are you going for medieval fantasy are you going to, for like woozier kind of uh, eastern uh, themes what's the broad kind of pattern and then you can draw from every, if, if you're like us and you play D&D you probably like other fantasy stuff you have so much to draw from mm. that you can just use if you're not posting this online just mercilessly steal from, <laughs> from everywhere I, I, even if you are creating something do you know I mean, everything. Yeah. There's no idea is original. That's the truth of things. Do you know what I mean? I uh, I played a friends campaign and and just like was loving it. Was loving every moment of it. And uh, they always recommended that I go play The Witcher Three. And then I started playing The Witcher Three and was like, <laughs> one, one second, you yeah, son of a bitch! Fucking minute. <laughs> this is all. This uh, is all The Witcher. Yeah, but just it's more steampunk. It's still fun, right? Like, it was amazing. It didn't change the fun that I had. No, because you even if you do go, hey, is this from this? It's like, yeah, it's like hell yeah. Yeah, 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 awesome. 100%. Yeah. I, I would say it's a big recommendation. If you are starting out, if this is the first time you're DMing, don't do a source book. I mean, really? it's great. I think doing a source book is really great, but you have to read that thing inside and out. As somebody who, when I run a game, I want to know the world that I'm existing in so that when my players do something, when I'm making something up, I've got, I've made a conscious effort to have an unconscious bank of knowledge that I can pull from. And that's how I DM. That's you see, how I, I do I'm not sure I'd, I mean, obviously it depends on your style, yeah, yeah. but I personally, so um, I, I will always would recommend for first time DMs using a pre-published thing. Yeah, but don't, well, yeah. But don't worry worry you get it wrong because it's just your own adaptation but there is something to that i think the middle ground there is just like just accept that you've always thought about it more than your players have. well the, the other thing is is that from from a first time player's standpoint you can do a story and the source books that D beyond produce are brilliant but you're doing a pre-written story mm. where and again you can you can change it and you can do whatever you want with it and you can you know rewrite it but that takes a lot of effort in terms of because you have to understand where the story's going and have to understand yeah. the story you're telling if you want to do it well that you know you can do it but i'm saying if you really want to do something well trust yourself and mm. make your own story 
And you'd start by doing that by talking to the players. Yeah, well, I was actually going to say that. I think understand your world is your very baseline, but very it kind of comes at a similar time as understand your players. Yeah. So, like, there's no point uh, doing a, I don't know, post-apocalyptic kind of Mad Max setup. world and everybody... If your players like, yeah. but I want to be high fantasy sword fighter. Why, 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 I don't want to do this. Yeah, exactly. So it always starts with your players. Be like, what do you want? What do, what do Because obviously you're all playing, right? I think that's another thing as well, without going off on too much of a tangent, that there's players and there's DM, but we're all playing this game together. Yeah. And it's important that you have fun <laughs> as much as them. Right? It's a collective storytelling We love it. Narrative, yeah. I love DMing. And I love, but it's always fun to build off what the players have got. So even when I do do pre-published adventures. Uh, you said doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> that took you off guard, didn't it? You did not see that going. No, because uh, no, um, <laughs> even when I'm using pre-published adventures, I will often like, okay, so cool. So I will lay down the bones and then be like, right, guys, what do you want? Who do you want to be? Mm. So you have an idea of what your campaign's going to be. You kind of explain the world to them so that they can make decisions yeah. based off like out of the abyss I was well, literally about to use that this yeah. is I, to be fair this is what we call in the biz in the- session zero. Oh well yes of course yeah <laughs> and session zero is basically um you know you've you've drank too much wine and you've you've convinced yourself that you're gonna dm and the next day with the hangover you go meet all your friends and you say hey guys you want to play some D and they go yeah what why is that <laughs> you say oh it's this game and you explain it to them and then you explain to them what they can do and what they can't do maybe do you know what i mean mainly this this game is a yes and game yeah. it's very rarely a, a you know a no game but that is the rule of improv as well it's yes and but sometimes maybe no yeah and the session zero is such an important place where i think there's a there's a big sort of claim of the game for a dm sometimes and you'll read this on like any rpg horror story thing is where the worst games are when a dm wants to do his thing when the dm should have just written a book yeah yeah when the dm should have just written a book what you're actually doing is having fun with your friends yeah, exactly. so write the book for them it's, it's even like because I, I again if you're using even if it's your story adventure you got from somewhere else you like can, out of the abyss like out of the abyss so i'll use that for example yeah. i actually got a little bit lucky with this um but i'll say it as it because my players came to me with ideas that worked really well but so we were playing out of the abyss which is in the standard fifth edition setting of forgotten realms and, Your boy? yeah and one of my <laughs> friends none of them knew they were playing out of the abyss by the way oh nice i went like which is a is a controversial thing to do in like the but the i imagine you've been playing D as a group for a while yeah yeah i played with them quite a few times there and i was go, like yeah. i know they'll enjoy it and we can always say but basically i don't want to spoil too much but i didn't tell them how much we got the campaign but as demons are involved and i said to my players well right, this is for the dm spoil as much as you oh like. yeah of course of course players nope if you're a fucking player and hey, you're yeah. listening to this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i will slap your mum. <laughs> <laughs> but out of the abyss starts with your player <laughs> Out of the abyss starts with your players being kidnapped by drow, like dark elves. And I was like, well, wouldn't it be fun for my players to not know yeah. they're going to be kidnapped? And I was oh, like, oh, amazing. So I said, okay, make your characters. Just a generic game. Don't worry about it. And I You're starting a tavern. Well, it wasn't even that. They didn't even need me. They met in prison. So they were, I was like, talk to one character, for example, and he wants to be a fighter. He said, I want to be part of some uh, fighting order. So I found this one online called Order of the Burning Dawn. Oh, cool. Yeah, awesome. I'll have a look into them. Order of the Burning Dawn were founded by people who got manipulated by demons. Ooh. So it was like, walk straight into it. I was like, great. Now I have a really easy tie-in to pull him into the story. Yeah, so he, he wasn't really aware of stuff, but like I've used that throughout the campaign. Like, oh, are you... Um, you know, you've uh, you come across your enemies who think you're demon worshippers. It's like, what? We're not demon worship, and it's kind of like you're able to thread stuff in. So it could be easily really. It's like you're not, but your 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 mates are. Yeah, exactly. So it could be really easy, like just as like tiny little things to just tie it in, and that makes the world for the players feel a lot more 
lifting. Yeah, um, 100%. So just tr- trying to tie your players into that campaign with t- little, doesn't even have to be much because they'll often build on it. Yeah. You'll find they all, they will take what you give them and build on it. Definitely. There's like a sense of informing. They, they you like, you inform them with like uh, mm. an idea. And one of the biggest, one of my favorite things to do is like listen to a player and they go, oh, I want to play like a thief for part of this thieves guild. And like nine times out of 10, I've got a thieves guild in mind. Yeah, I've already absolutely. made one. I'm like, oh, yeah. perfect. Let me, how, how about this? Or a, another really, really close second favorite is when they say oh i want to be from this order of you know um clerics uh, you know healers and, and religious people but they're really zealous and i haven't thought of the idea Tell me so that. now we together we build this idea together and we're like oh well you know maybe the you know maybe the main leader is like a real son of a bitch yeah do you know what i mean and the reason why is because like they're actually a tiefling and within this world tieflings are seen as like really evil yeah but he's like a good he's yeah. a good tiefling so yeah. he's had to be more ruthless to to be seen as good yeah. in a way because of this order and it, you, it you, again it comes to that joint world building and working with your players because the same thing i had with um again this order of the burning dawn is an official thing from forgotten realms i don't care whatever they're, they're whatever i make them and i said to my player i he said oh i'm from the order of the burning dawn and it was like oh, i'll get i'll go to my chapter house so i just go oh, okay what's it like yeah and i was like who'd you find at the front desk yeah and he the then will tell me the npc and then i become that npc no one's immersion's affected all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's like oh what was your mass like he couldn't think i was like i'm thinking like a kind of Vesemir from The Witch of I went awesome and then that built and then the fact he came up with it with me didn't change anything he was like oh cool yeah I'm there I'm in it this, this works really well it's immersive and, yeah and then you play they're, they're figuring it out and seeing it with you yeah exactly and that's the thing don't get too stressed about doing it all yourself you're working together as a group and like you say yes and if it changes your world it changes your world like just write it down if you I, that's one thing I would recommend actually if you do state something about your world write it down Make because notes. your players will never remember the important stuff they'll always remember the stuff though that, that you, you forgot 100 <laughs> so i'd be like oh shit i've now made this order write that down then you'll have that for reference later i think it's important to just note that um that there are like a hundred different dming styles and me oh. and morgan actually like a perfect example of this because i think so me and morgan play a game together where we run a campaign called strixhaven which is set within a, a university it's like a magical university some of you may have heard of it some of you might not have it's a great campaign setting and we decided that we'd like run colleges and each you know dm would be part of that college and like Morgan will come in and he's freestyling and it's amazing and he's just he's making it up as he's going and then there's me a serial planner Morgan came in last session and was asking me questions and I went oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's all here and, it, and he just saw documents like, why have you <laughs> why have you done this I come in with like half an idea and I'm like that'll work and then every time it like it does it, it works it does because work. again it's and that depends on your style I mean it does depend if I I do find if I'm running because that's an adventure we've written ourselves we've used yeah. a set we've written the adventure ourselves when I'm doing a a a, a module mm. or bought something off the shelf I will read that as much as I can yeah because I don't know if I miss something I might fuck stuff up later 100% so if I'm doing my own set my own world I'm like I can, it's fine I can improvise this because I've learned too many times if you plan for something they won't do it every single time if i plan for something to happen that won't happen so i now just go in with like "Mm, whatever we'll see i guess that makes me like a mass manipulator yeah perhaps perhaps because they do it i raise do the thing i say i raise free range players (laughs) yeah whereas i raise battery 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 Uh, but um, they, they think they love it so oh well as long as i having fun you know <laughs> i've convinced them that they love my ideas 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I just, I just, um, I sometimes, I guess, take the yes and a bit too far. I'm like, yeah, whatever, do what you want. That's, I don't care. No, nah, I'm with you. I think that's the best rule you can have. Like, regardless of whatever, I think I've done a few sessions where players will do, you know, like you say, literally very little of what you planned. But the truth is, is that they've actually spent more time on a little bit of a plan than they have most of the plan. Mm. So there's still, the, I, I, I find ways because I, because I love writing for the players so much that whatever I write, I'm like, no, I want you to witness. Yeah. And sometimes I'll make it so that, you know, this is, this is a really, I don't know. I guess kind of the main thing that we're really saying is it is making a relationship with your players. Mm. Also, I guess that kind of relationship is informed by yourself because your DMing style is probably different to mine. I've got a mm. background in acting and I spend a lot of time acting and a lot of time drawing. Like I come up with NPCs by drawing them. I usually draw them and design them and then I'm like, right, this is this is the character and I and then I like kind of, you know, embody it and play it out like an actor would. Mm. And a lot of it is that and I've got a big, you know, background in storytelling and, and reading like Joseph Campbell and stuff like that. So that's kind of like my DMing style is very story driven, but yeah. it's totally fine to have like a fully combat oriented game. Yeah, it just depends what you're after. And again, it depends. I think it can be, I, I, I think it's the same. It's a skill, right? It's the same with anything. You'll be shit when you start. Like it's not, you're not going to be the world's best DM right from the off and you'll be finding your own thing. Like I had the same thing. So when I first started doing it, I was like, like I would plan out NPCs. I'd work out who they are um, and I'd plan out a story but the more I DM the more I am less specific and my NPCs for example they get life as we go yep. I'm like I have a name I have a voice and I have maybe an ideal like maybe an ideal like this is what they're this is what they're at this is what they're about and then I find them as we go and that works for me and my style I write down who they are and how they go but it just completely works completely differently and this is again this is all in the DMG and this is there's oh, loads yeah. of stuff to help you out so I guess we'll, we will get into more detail about how to create NPCs mm. and things like that but again it is broad it's broad brush strokes I think that's what this episode's about it's kind of just a don't worry yeah <laughs> take baby steps you've got this It'll, you'll be absolutely fine yeah. um, and if you have any questions you can refer back to this yeah 100% and I think I think you know again it is about the players as much as you know it is important that you're having fun as well it's it, I think the main thing is that everybody's having fun oh shit yeah a really good point is hey if you're not having fun tell your players yeah. and tell your players if they're not having fun talk to you you're a game you're coming together to play a game if no one's having fun why are you playing like, exactly no D I've said this on another podcast no D&D &D is better than bad D&D &D. like it's just have a just stop the game and be like hey I'm uncomfortable with how you're doing this yeah. or I'd rather I mean that's really good for session zero yeah. if you have a player that's like so I have players that are arachnophobic I can't have spiders in my game like just have a conversation about boundaries and sometimes it's going to be a case of like hey I want to run this campaign is dark, it's gritty, it's violent, it's gothic. There's pretty dark themes in it. Curse of Strahd is what I'm thinking of, like really dark themes, really dark. Curse game. of Strahd is like a vampire based game with a lot of connotations to like, I think they've changed a lot of it, but kind of like um, young children being murdered is like one of the storylines. It's like there's oh, a, a yeah. girl in a boat that is literally going to get drowned. My players didn't save her. Yeah. They but saw her, they, well, they saw the person doing something mysterious rolled really low didn't figure it out and so then, she died yeah you just have systems of like <laughs> like hey guys what do you come to and then your player might go that's not for me and you might have to say well unfortunately this is the campaign i'm going to run quite a few of us do and then you have to work out whether you're like well unfortunately we'll have to do this without you or if you're like a close group of friends all right that's fine maybe we'll play something else and this is for another day yeah i mean the the chances are is that you're good friends and you're all playing together so you you're probably going to have similar interests yeah and also, you'll know their boundaries as well to yeah an extent. exactly and and it is it is just about 
um, boundaries. I mean, you also learn about your friends playing this game. Mm. I remember I heard about my friends that were playing games when I wasn't there, and one of the DM did like this. Ma- he's massively into horror and sort of like psychological thriller, and he and he he just he did something that just stuck with them. They'll never forget the 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 fact that they failed this family like this family got like the ultimate consequences of their actions and like for them they were like at the time it was amazing but on hindsight let's not do that again yeah like, i was dreaming about that shit yeah. <laughs> and it's like that's okay to say and it's there's nothing in a way there was no mistakes made only lessons learned yeah like you say learn your friends know and if you do have boundaries say them like don't just put up with it. No. Like, and 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 that that's both as a DM and a player, right? If you're like, if you're again, if your players start doing something comfortable with, just go, hey, time out. I don't, I don't want that in my game. And if they kick off, they're probably not a good friend. Yeah, like <laughs> if you're if you're if you're like high friend, you're upsetting me, and they carry on. That's a pretty shitty thing to do. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's a good DM tip. Just talk. I guess from a DMG perspective, we've spoken about a couple of things. Master of several things. You're the master of your worlds. You're the master of your adventures and what you're creating. The other thing you are is the master of rules. Um, you are essentially, and that's your big role i guess is you're the ar- one of your big roles i guess is what you're the arbiter of what can and can't happen and if it does or doesn't happen exactly yeah so you'll it's you're not in contest with your players you're working together so i a lot of the time and i like to say it this way i'm like people my players like i want to do this so you know i want to climb up that rock face and you're like oh that sounds pretty hard are you good at that uh no i've not really done it before all right well roll some dice you're gonna have to roll this number and if you don't you don't get it but you work with your players to kind of work the rules you're like the players will go i want to do this you say something along the lines of how do you do it they will tell you you go okay roll a die or dice and then you say whether or not they're successful and that's 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 how it goes yeah you're in charge of mediating that situation and it's like i I know the dm gets you know um you know a few of our players refer to us as god do you know what i mean they're like don't tempt god do you know what i mean god will punish us (laughs) i will come down upon you (laughs) because because you're in control of the story and you're in control of like the random encounters and Mm -hmm. also and the monsters they fight do you know what i mean so you know you kind of get you get this like god complex like story constantly being told about you because like you know some of our players from strix I'm thinking, I'm thinking like um, Samantha and uh, Nixie both like kind of refer to both of us in in different contests of like, oh, like, you know, don't tempt God. God yeah, will, yeah, God yeah, will yeah, punish yeah. us. And, you know, I think there's a level of playing up to that where we'll be like, oh, you have yeah. your bloody players. Don't annoying. piss me yeah, off. Yeah, I will, I will come down upon you with the vengeance of 10 beholders. But <laughs> the, tr- but the truth is, is we're loving it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's there to have fun. Like, yeah. If you, if, and again. An arbiter having... of rules was the perfect description description of what a dm really is they're not god no they're just the one that is almost like the judge yeah of what the the sort of like the physics of the situation yeah and i often will be like if someone says something i'm like i don't think that's likely yeah i will say how explain to me how that happens you're also allowed to say no oh yeah but like i I, like we say it's kind of like yes and but say like but how do you do it and if they say something that is not feasible you go no can i jump on the moon for the biggest one for me is character stuff mm. because like yeah i think i used this example in um when we were doing D 101 when i was explaining like persuasion roles and stuff but if you're a dm and you've got a king who's asking them to do this thing for a reasonable price and they're trying to negotiate with you and they negotiate too far like they're like oh give us your kingdom 
there's it doesn't matter how high they roll mm-hmm. there is no number that this character would do you I mean, know like, and that also might someone. have like negative impacts too now, exactly they might pick that actually regardless of the role like you can make them roll a persuasion check to see whether or not they actually tempt this king's anger yeah because the truth yeah. is is like the persuasion check might be like for them to find it funny yeah, yeah. because there there are impossible there are impossible things to do you can't like in you can't athletics check your way to the moon no like yeah jump on the moon exactly and like you know seduce the dragon uh, that's like a, a really yeah, like yeah, typical yeah. D meme but i mean it's interesting though when we talk about that so the i, I was thinking about this the convincing the king mm. to take his kingdom that could happen over a series of checks i don't know if you've watched the u.s house of cards yes spoilers for anyone who wants to watch a film with a, a series with a pedophile in it but uh, <laughs> <laughs> in house of cards kevin spacey is a pedophile is a, mate, <laughs> not in the series not in the series he's just a in psychopath. real life pedophile yeah but he he's a psychopath in the house of cards but he convinces the president essentially to make him president he doesn't do it by walking up to him saying make me president he spends months series yeah yes (laughs) seasons so you can your players can convince the king to give him the kingdom but not just by asking it would be for a series of okay so i want to destabilize this i want to convince him that he's losing his mind i want to convince him there's enemies around every corner and you work on doing that and then you become the king but it's not a case of go but again that's arbiter of the rules you think about how to go about this if and like we say treat their responses i one thing i do say with rules sometimes is try not to make everything one fairly away from disaster yeah so like if there's like a stealth mission one check one failed stealth check is the guy like in a video game who's there must start coming the towards you yeah exactly <laughs> the successful one must be the wind i didn't see the thing um yeah i learned that as well actually yeah. from playing the game for so long is that you can i, I played the game for ages just being like oh all right, everybody roll. All right, you failed or succeeded. But there's a real tension to mm. mini fails and mini successes. Yeah. Like, oh, the door's not open yet, but someone's coming. Yeah. Kind of thing. And and it builds the tension. It changes the game, especially when you get to a bit of a higher level where the players can do more. I think, uh, especially like stealth. I, I like, I gave the characters um this this sort of like very assassin's creed like combat situation where there was guards doing circles and stuff and they chose to perceive and they chose to wait and then they all chose to do a a stealth check some of them failed and some of them didn't so the guard like you said the guy was like what's that Mm. and then the guard walks over and i was like okay you all need to do another stealth check who wants to attack and they attacked and they you know it's a one-shot kill so the the person who wasn't stealthing got sore but was a distraction for the other person to stab them in the back and kill them and it was a slow they just slowly started picking apart this complex and it was really fun yeah and it's then you're not just one bad roll away from it all fucking up no and you know what they got they actually had like a lot of points where because there was like two guards left but on the opposite side of the map there was this point where one of them came out of the shadows so the two guards looked one way but because one guard was closer and one guard was further away the closer guard didn't see the further away guard get fucking stabbed in the back and taken away and it was just like they played it really smart and it was really fun, like you say. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And it, but that's that's it, right? The I oh, this is really funny because this has become my inadvertent catchphrase, and I feel like it's often misconstrued. What's this? The rules make it fun, but not because you have to follow the rules to have a good time. Use the rules to create a good time. To yeah. be like, okay, you have failed the rules. By, by I've written them. You have failed this check. How does this become? an exciting scenario 
Is it, oh, come up begins? Or is it someone's seen your presence? Or if you're trying to, I, I like checks in tense situations, like you say, like trying to open the door. They're being pursued. You have to stop to open the door. Ba-boom. You fail to open the door the first time. Fuck, you keep trying to do it and it gets more and more tense. You can use the rules to make the game fun, but don't be imprisoned by them. No, inform They're, the story with them. Exactly. There's the, another, I think, widely misinterpreted rule. Uh, it's called the rule of cool. Oh yeah, and a lot of people think that just means oh, just like whatever the players want to happen. No, the rules mean if there's an unclear rule for a situation, go with the cool one. Mm. Go with the cool ruling because that'd be more exciting. Doesn't mean your players like oh, can I just kill the dragon because I'm on its head? No, no, because there's, there's a lot of things. Like, yeah. You know what? There is a there's a really a DM did this for me as a player, which I really appreciated in terms of rule of court. Was we we were all hunting for this yarl and we had to go underneath the the cave system to find him, and it turned out his like second in commands had taken him prisoner mm. and they were going to kill him yeah. because he was a shit yarl but we were hired to save him and we knocked on the door we go inside and we talk it out and you know we're sort of saying to these like second in commands look at the end of the day we get that he's not that great yeah but, you know let, let's think about what we're going to do here do you mm. know what i mean He's not a murderer, is he? He's yeah. just a bit shit. And they're like, yeah, well, this and this and this and this. And it's like, so there's nothing I can do to like convince you otherwise. And he said, no. And I said, Mike, I shoot him in the head. And, and Mike just went, fuck. Yeah. Roll to hit. And if you hit, you kill him. Yeah. Because it was so, it was so quick. Yeah. And it was, it, because it took him off guard, he naturally sort of went, well, that would take, that would take the character off guard. And it was rule of cool. Oh, yeah. That's not rules that stated. You shouldn't be able to one shot an NPC. No. Unless you can. Yeah. And we were low level. We were like level three. Yeah. So. Unlikely. Yeah. We were playing with firearms and stuff like that. But yeah. Because I think still, I think something that is not a deal breaker as such, but something I like to think about when I'm doing like arbiting rules, like something yeah. that's not by the book or I can't remember the rule or whatever. Because um, often if you're in the middle of the situation, you don't want to slowly pace by opening the rule book and finding out what the exact ruling is. You're like, oh, what makes sense here? The one thing I do try to do is have a thorough understanding of at very least the abilities of my players and at most the play the understanding of how most classes work. So there might be a situation where you have a player in the party who is the assassin, right? The assassin yeah. subclass rogue. They can do a stupid amount of damage if they get the jump on someone. That's the whole point of the class. That's the whole point of the class. And I would say in that situation, obviously, like you say, cool moment, everyone loved it. But if you're in the situation where you're the assassin rogue and you see the, I don't know, the fighter get your ability just for free, sometimes it's a bit like, oh, then why did I pick why did they pick this class? Yeah. But again, that kind of, it depends on your situation, on your group and how people feel about things. It's but. the difference between the monsters as well, because these were really yeah. low level people. It, honestly. Whereas it wasn't like a big monster yeah. boss. Honestly, a commoner as well, or yeah. a normal person has like five Just a guard. So, it's just a, yeah. Oh, so we, to be, in, all, in all fairness, you probably could have one shot this guy anyways. So I think, I think if I'd have rolled high, you would have, ma- yeah. Maybe. So he if just I'd went, have got a nat 20 and rolled high, maybe. So just went, oh, max damage, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and also, like you say, that's like, rule of cool. Yeah, exactly. And it works. It's really taking well. the rule and yeah. just just saying, you know what, I'm going to reward you for good gameplay, which is, you know, sometimes done by inspiration. Yeah. We use like a lot of like tables and cards and mm-hmm. stuff as, you know, oh, personal yeah. preferences. Rules, yeah. But in, in terms of like getting that 20s and doing the best possible job, I think I think yeah. sometimes the rule of cool just take precedence. I've I've had like somebody get a nat 20. I've not had any like kind of cards or crit tables or anything. I'll just be like, you lop off a hand. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. that's cool. I mean, the, the community will be endless people with opinions on how it works. And I always advise listening to them with a bit of a pinch of salt, but listening anyway, because the yeah. people will still say stuff like, hey, that ruling you did, maybe consider 
how it affects this or how yeah. that interacts with that. Because then you can be like, do I care about that? Exactly. And if you do, cool, you've learned something. If you don't, fine. At least it's an informed decision that you've made. The, the best way to get good at anything, to get good. Yes. <laughs> if you want to get good, you've got to look at everything. You got to listen to all the people who you think are wrong, and you got to listen to all the people you think are right. And you've got to get this like well of knowledge, and then you've got to be able to have the freedom of choice to choose what you think. Yeah, 100%. rather than being f- informed by just one sect or one group, you need to see what you think of all the different rules that are out there and the ways to play the game. Yeah, and then and and just be completely ambivalent to trying different yeah. things. And I'm, like a carefree attitude will get you so far. Yeah. And I think it's I think a really good and again also I guess from the other side of the table is don't feel like you have to let loose of everything so one rule I am people always tell me off about but I'm staunchly with is that taking a health potion takes an action and mm. there's a lot of people in the community which allow it to be a bonus action because yeah. oh you only drink a potion I'm, I'm, drink. I'm that yeah. I, I use a bonus action for it I don't like that purely because <laughs> I play with quite a few power gamers exactly and it's like you have enough resources at hand to cast a spell for healing a healing potion does as much healing as in fact on average more healing than um, a spell mm. if you can do that as a bonus action for free and anyone can do it for me it can break the game a little bit because it's like those hit points can be the difference between a close fight and an easy fight so I'm always like take an action it takes you time to unstop it and consume it because for me that makes the game more tense because you can't just be like oh health potion and stab someone no you're in the middle of a fight you have a cleric who is there to heal you use them otherwise you you bad guys don't down like it's balancing as well yeah so but again i'm not telling anyone that does that for their game is wrong that's fine but for me i say no i don't like how that works and that's my game and that's where i set my rules and that's how i go forward if i'm playing a game where it's a burst action health potion yeah fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. yeah that's great that's good for me but in my games i'm like mm, it, it doesn't fit the kind of thing i want because the way i do my encounters i want them to be tough and if you start buttering up it becomes a bit too smooth for you're me. allowed to change your opinion as well oh yeah that's like 100%. one of the biggest things is like i i play like so many different campaigns and i dm you know a few different campaigns and every time i've dm'd i've done it differently mm. like i've just oh, yeah, changed 100%. the game you know one one game i had to like condense funnily enough out of the abyss i had to condense out of all like three <laughs> such three insane, insane story yeah how <laughs> that all came together yeah i just my basically we, we played like a quarter of out of the abyss and then it turned out that the players had to leave and stuff like that so i condensed three quarters of the book into two <laughs> sessions and it worked but it was a totally different game oh it yeah you had a yeah. A player lich in there. You yeah. had oh, it was insane. Because I just said, "Fuck it." Yeah, I'll let them do whatever the fuck they want to do, and it and it was great. And like you say, it's a completely different style. It can depends exactly on what you want. And how. And again, the most important rule is everyone needs to have fun. And everybody did. Everybody had like exactly. it was their story. And I I literally said to them before I you know I've, I'm condensing this down. Can everybody send me? We know we know the rules. We know that we're all got two sessions left. Everybody sent me what they want to do yeah. through this game. Yeah, and I got you know pages and pages and it was great yeah and and i did it all and it was so much fun and they got you know that's what they got out of it they got a tailored experience that they will think of you know yeah you even you remember the fact that hilarious i came in and went hey do you want to look at this and i just i just scrolled for pages and pages Uh, of plan shit i just it was hilarious i mean again again it it fully depends on your because i again we've both run out of the abyss i've not finished it i'm doing it to its full length but when we did it there's a big basically about big part about the abyss is slogging through this really terrifying place in the underdark and i use the rules to enforce that oppressive hard slog in 
what turned out to be a really fun way, but my players, it was brutal. Like they were like, they'd wake up, someone would attack them. They would be, they wouldn't be getting back their hit dice. They couldn't take proper short rests. They were running out of food. They were getting exhausted. And it was like using the rules really meticulously and brutally. They had a great time because it really hammed up that like, we are weak, squishy, lost and dying. Help. Every time they'd be like, can we level up? I'm like, no. (laughs) They were like, level two. I was like, please, I can't. This is horrendous. Yeah. Um, But they were overcoming every single obstacle. It wasn't a problem. They just felt horrible. And that was like totally, totally different from how I did it as well. Because I, I, I started on experience. I think, were you saying that you did it on I went straight to Milestone because especially again this was my power gamer group yeah. who were like oh XP oh cool we're just going to wait here and wait for every single monster to come past yeah, us exactly. until we're level 20 and then leave <laughs> so I'm like mm, fuck not going to happen so yeah I, I, I tried it with experience and I was you know I was trying to do that that encounter stuff but I, I just didn't have the the capacity to to be able to do that like mm. I felt it the players felt it and we all just decided together that we can't just slog through this game yeah it's good it's gonna get real boring for us all yeah because I'm just rolling random encounters because I rolled it like oh did the, you roll in session I literally did the book yeah do you know okay, what I mean yeah. I said to them I'm really interested in just doing the book and yeah seeing, I did homebrew that a little bit see yeah. but uh, there you go and and with that sort of like capacity of knowledge at the time I just learned that this is what not yeah, what we were going to do and when we moved on before we knew we had to condense the whole thing when we moved on it was so much of a smoother yeah. game we were still doing XP yeah. but it was smooth man. I had just smooth. when I did it because I made it a little more brutal so it would be like in that game you, you can get one or two accounts today you were less likely to get an encounter every day but you would probably get three in one day. Yeah. Because then it's still a slog, but not day by day. It's kind of like you're really having to reserve your resources, stuff like this. And what I did was instead of using the book encounters, because I found them a bit bland at points, I went to Xanathar's Guide, which has got like a list of Very dark nice. encounters. Very nice. My players were level one to five. I looked at the levels five to 10 table. Because I, again, I wanted to ham up. This is a hellscape. You are in a lot of trouble. And then they were like, there were so many accounts where they're like, we're going to fucking die. But I knew they, they managed to get over it. And that was, the, but this is, and this is the kind of thing, this is a really good perspective, I think. Because in the same adventure, completely different ways and had great outcomes because we had different groups. Yeah. And we both, both our groups had a good time. I know that my players leaving the Underdark was a full cathartic, like, oh my God. Oh, thank like God the biggest, we're out. Like the biggest shit you've ever yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. Just that like, release. I knew the, the players felt like the characters they were yeah. like oh my god <laughs> finally the oh, light. breathe um <laughs> not being hunted uh, all the time despite the fact one of them did die wrestling a demon lord oh i killed like yeah oh, i was yeah, again he, another he, demon one lord of them death. he transformed into an ape at level eight and body slammed orcas the demon prince of undeath oh through god. a portal and into a room full of undead the portal closed and i just narrated this guy getting ripped to shreds by undead but he with my play was like i can't believe my character just died body slamming orcas that was the best thing but yeah again it's- a lot better than my player um was a stoner mushroom druid who who fucking at the beginning of the game you, like the first thing that happens is all the players see the demagogue and rise from this ocean and they're you know just start destroying the town they're in and what they're meant to do is run because it's a gargantuan fucking monster that's just destroying everything you know and of course whilst running one of them decided to turn around and slap him and i said right you've missed but how would you miss it's it's a gargantuan creature you probably hit it it's just not pierced through its you know magical tough skin kind of thing i went all right the only way i can see this is like you've got a 24% chance of this creature noticing you and and, and having its attention drawn to you because you've hit it, even though you've not done any damage. I mean, roll your dice. And of course, he rolled under 24%. <laughs> so the demon, demon god just killed him. Yeah. Just instantly. Of course he did. Insta-kill. 
It was fucking the ridiculous. play. This is the thing. This is the whole thing. This is why I love D and D is that the story writes itself. Like I didn't. Again, I didn't plan for my player to body slam Orcus. Uh, uh, you didn't plan for your player to just <laughs> annihilate. But that's they're both funny stories that will tell for a long time. Oh, I'll never forget it. And it's uh, and that's why I love the game. Veldrin Veldrin. <laughs> that was his name. Fuck off, Veldrin Veldrin. Oh dear. The drow, the drow mushroom uh, druid. But yeah, I love. I, I yeah. So I guess, I guess, in kind of summary for those, the master of worlds, master of adventures, master of rules, is that it's every it, it, the book stops with you. Yeah. Just make sure you and everyone else is having fun. Yeah. Uh, make sure things have a sense of. Well, no. In fact, I, I don't have to say anything else. No. Make sure you're all having fun. Yeah. If your players don't care about you having a lived in consistent world, don't, don't bother. Don't, don't waste your time on it. If your players don't really like social interaction, fine. Yeah. If your players hate combat, just don't do any combat. Like, there are official adventures which say no combat has to happen in this game. Do whatever you want, as long as everyone has fun. That's that's the thing, man. Like, you can you can play any game and do anything in these worlds, so feel free to. Uh, yeah, a super OP hack for me, though, is um, if your players notice an inconsistency, Look at them knowingly, and then look away, and they'll be like, oh, "We've got onto something here." <laughs> they haven't. You fucked up, but you can write it in. Don't worry about it. They'll be like, oh, "We've noticed the thing." Oh, it's it's the amount of story I've got from that. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> isn't there? Isn't there like a um, at the beginning of the DMG? There's like a little Wizards of the Coast are putting like a little. Do you want me to read it? Uh, disclosure. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Disclaimer. Wizards of the Coast does not officially endorse the following tactics, which are guaranteed to maximize your enjoyment as a dungeon master. First, always keep a straight face and say okay, no matter how ludicrous or doomed the player's plan of action is. Second, no matter what happens, pretend that you intended all along for everything to unfold the way it did. Third, if you're not sure what to do next, feign illness, end the session early, and plot your next move. When all else fails, roll a bunch of dice behind your screen, study them for a moment with a look of deep concern mixed with regret, let loose a heavy sigh, and announce that Tiamat swoops from the sky and attacks. (laughs) Best advice I've ever read. I mean... It's it's hilarious because like I think in, in terms of like my experience as a DM, I again started on three point five, mm. moved through that. I literally didn't pick up the player's handbook, DMG, or the monster manual for for years. Oh, I had the starter set, and that was all I had for yeah. like the first two years of D anD D, and just rolled, just use those rules. One hundred percent, and and that that to me is insane. Yeah, like I I was just playing D anD D for years mm. without even knowing the fucking game, and everything that they just said was right. Yeah, that's oh, exactly yeah. how I played the game. I just I just kind of confidently put my way through. Yeah. You know, I I really rolled with the punches. And I mean, to be fair, I never actually quit a session early. There was never no. a point where I was like, okay, and then we I, end there. Yeah, I've never had to do that because you just make it up. Yeah, whatever just do, do, it is, all, you're just you're making everything up. Maybe just the cult's going. over there, but they oh, want to go okay. shopping. You know what you do? Put you the cult in the shop. Yeah, who like? I just oh, they don't. They're not interested in the cult shop. Maybe they go into a farm. Put the farm yeah, the, right. The farm is the cult place. The farm's That's the, cult the headquarters. Place. Who cares? Maybe they didn't go to the farm either. Maybe they get to the farm and they go, oh, you know what? We don't want to go here because this smells a bit culty. And they go to another town. Guess what? The cult's there too. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like oh, don't never tell your players you're doing that. Sorry, that's a, never tell your players that it doesn't matter what they do. Oh yeah, but sometimes it doesn't matter what they do. Oh, 100. <laughs> I mean, I, it's called railroading. You'll probably yeah. hear this like term, and I think railroading is saying no. In my perspective, I think I think railroading. I think sometimes people get mixed up between railroading and linear storytelling. Yes, a linear story can be like 
if players does this, players do this, players do this, players do that. Not because you're telling them what to do, because that's where the stuff that's you they're the only clues you're uncovering. Yeah. But you can also railroad them, like we just kind of said. I don't do it a lot. I only do it if I'm like, they need to find this thing. I do it all the time. I, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be 100% them. honest you've with you. You've hidden the railroads. I, no one can see them. I am the, uh, canonically, I guess, the biggest railroader in, in all of D&D because all I ever fucking do is get the player. I convince the players that it was their idea to f- do the fucking story. Yeah, and I don't know how I do it other than I'm a manipulative bastard. That's all I've got. I think for that's you. the thing. I think the thing is, it's just you uncover the clues you want them to find. Yeah. Um, if they go into a tavern and there's, you know, there's people there, the one person they speak to just happens to fucking know mm. what they need to do next. I just have so many things where it's like, it's like, even though it's like, again, it's all about making it fun. If the players find a red herring, that could be fun. Yeah. They're following the red herring for ages. When it stops being fun, give them a new clue that'll take them in the right direction. And if it comes to it, you tell them. Someone runs up to them. Are you adventurers? Oh God, please! You have to help us. This is happening. Like, just, just get them there. Just yeah, get and them then they'll there. kill that person. Yeah, and move nobody on. can be trusted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then if everything happens, really funnily, that last piece of advice. So let's say you are trying to stop Tiamat, and they don't stop Tiamat. Tiamat comes and kills everyone, yeah. and they lose. I've not had a game where everybody's lost yet. I've had a game where I've put players down. I've never, in fairness, right? The game is not set up for the DMs to win. You need to you need to really kind of remember that. Sit in that for a bit. Yeah. The game is designed even like the hard encounters. It'll tell you how to make. We'll go into that when we do encounter yeah, design. Building. But even hard encounters, it even says someone might die. The hard is uh, deadly. Is like maybe a TPK. Maybe probably in reality, it's probably a couple of deaths. In reality, it's not. No, but that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Even the, even the book saying this is a deadly encounter just means maybe one or two will die. Like it's it's maybe one or two of them will go unconscious. Is my experience. Yes, except the fact yeah. that you are not you're not here to win. That's not the point of the game. Yeah. And except the fact that you're probably going to have to make your encounters harder than you yeah. think. And the only way you'll really win is by chance. Yeah. And the, and you know what? It'll be the best part of the fucking story. I, I always and there's so much stuff. And I don't. I, we can go into more as we go through yeah. the, the the series. But uh, I try to connive reasons why if it makes sense that they get kidnapped. Yeah. Or they get put somewhere else. Keep the story moving. Maybe kill one, but don't kill them all. Just leave room for the story to continue. So even if, yeah. like I just said, Tiamat rises, all right, and they've lost, the, the god of evil dragons has risen. If they want, you can keep doing the story. What do they do in the aftermath of an evil god taking over the planet? And you can keep going, or you can stop the campaign there, get some new characters in the same setting. <laughs> Completely new adventure. Tiamat's risen. What are we going to do about it? Just keep the game going. Look at it from different aspects. Keep rolling with it. How do you want to do it? So yeah, I think in conclusion, you're doing a great job because you've just started. You're listening to the podcast, so you're learning. Welcome. We're going to have fun. Uh, essentially, for the rest of the podcast, we're going to build the world with you. We'll show you how to build a world. We'll S- do it together. Steal it all. Yeah. Honestly, this is for me, this is a big thing. Is No one reads the Dungeon Master's Guide. And whilst I think you should, not everyone's got the time. Yeah. So we're here to take read you through the to highlights, you. read it to you, make a bedtime story. Uh, and <laughs> bedtime. next time you're like, next. Uh, hopefully this will contribute to I never have to read again. I wish D&D had a rule for this. It does. Yeah. It does. I'm going to tell you what that rule is. But also... You know, whilst you're listening to this, hopefully this inspires you to, you know, get stuck in when you've got a bit of free time. Because we understand that free time is precious. You want to spend it with your friends. You want to spend it with your family. That's probably why you're trying to play this game. And reading the books, you've probably got a job. You've probably got a life. But if you do find yourself becoming more and more engrossed in this, you know, have fun, man. Have fun. It's going to be a great time. Absolutely. 
And if you're struggling to find a group of people, or I mean, I think it's getting easier and easier yeah. as things like Stranger Things comes out and D&D becomes bigger and bigger. Yeah. But if you're struggling to explain D&D, the, way I, the best way I heard to try and describe D&D to people is if you say, oh, we all pretend to be characters and roll dice, sometimes people go, well, what? How, how does that contribute to all these things I've seen? One of the best things I've ever done is you're talking to a person who goes, well, what's D&D? And you say, picture you sitting in a tap. The mood is light. There's a few people having drinks. You're sitting there. Someone behind the bar is pouring drinks, having a conversation. You don't know when you come by yourself. You're traveling on the road. And you, you, can you picture that? And they'll go, probably, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a noise outside. Person will go, oh, well, what is it? Do you go to have a look? The person goes, yeah, I'll go I'll go have a look out the window, see what I can see. Uh, okay, yeah, you make your way over to the window, passing through some of the patrons. A drunk person staggers past you, but you need to go see what happens. You have a look out the window. Now, at this point, I would say, can you roll a perception check? Which would basically equate to you rolling a die, adding some numbers, and telling me what the total is. I use that to find out if you're successful. Okay, so let's say you rolled it and you got something. I think you rolled like 18. We use big dice, don't worry. You roll an 18, you look out the window, you see a figure standing over someone else, and you see a glint of a knife in their hand. What do you do? Oh, I, I run out the door. You burst out the door and you approach the person in the mist. And then we see what goes from there. You explain that, and that will get people in because they're like, "Oh, Play I the get it." Game, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I like that. We're pretending to be so, and that, and that I feel like captivates people a lot more. I found that on the internet. I'm not taking credit for that, but it's something I really enjoy implementing because it helps pe- people. Have gone, oh, it's just make believe. <laughs> have you? There's a yeah. It's ju- it's just it's just make believe. It's like being a kid again. I, a- I always say it's a video game. Yeah, I say I say it's like game. like playing Let's Pretend, but it's like a video game where you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, the other quote, a less serious quote, is like <laughs> from. Um, What's it called? Uh, Adventure Zone was. It's like playing pretend when you're a kid, except there's someone there that can say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amazing. Well, but yeah. On that note, I've been Niall. I've been Morgan, and uh, you, you, you're you. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> You've been you, the listener. <laughs> We're friends, right? We're all for initiative. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>